somehow able to bend light. He hunts by seeing our heat. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Now Playing presents the Predator Retrospective Series. I've waited a lifetime for this, and I'm not going to miss the chance. Leading up to the release of Predators July 9th, Stuart, Arnie, and Brock will be watching and reviewing all of the Predator and Alien vs. Predator films. What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled and may contain objectionable language. Listener discretion is advised. Come on. Do it. Do it! Today we're talking about Predator 2, starring Danny Glover, Gary Busey, Ruben Blades, Bill Paxton, and Kevin Peter Hall, again as the Predator, directed by Stephen Hopkins, our old friend. This is Brock, co-host of Now Playing. Stuart in L.A. Arnie in Los Angeles in 1997. Wait, that's 13 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) But seven years ahead of when this movie was released. Absolutely. They decided to put this movie 10 years after the first movie, yet they didn't have a lot of futuristic things in it, did they? They just kind of meant present day. I would never have known it was 10 years until they dropped it in the middle of the movie when they said 10 years ago we ran into this yada, yada, yada. They actually had a title card at the very beginning that said Los Angeles 1997. Well, yes, and- but you wouldn't know that by watching the movie. You know, again, like the first shot of the first movie of Predator with that alien ship and all, you kind of forget about the title card as you're watching the first part of this movie because besides the cool-looking guns that looked like they were – you know, big and heavy and, and packed a wallop. There wasn't much there that didn't occur. The computers even weren't <laughs> very advanced in ni- for 1997. That's when true. Movie- None were running Windows 95. Yeah. We, okay. <laughs> there was not a mouse to be found. They were typing. Mr. Literal. Yes, exactly. So it, it, it They weren't even of- on Windows 3.1. Ha! <laughs> okay. <laughs> Explain this to me, guys. Was the first Predator a bigger hit on video, which is why they made Predator 2, or is it because of a cult following the first movie had? All right, let me bring some Wikipedia knowledge here. I'm gonna, Go for it. Let me uh, whip my wick out. <laughs> the first one was a moderate hit, but it was based on the success of the Predator comic book that Predator 2 got greenlit. I think they would have made it anyway. I mean, Predator made as much money as Aliens did. They both were delivering a solid $70 million at the box office. And yeah, they did great on video. So I think that there was an audience there. There was no reason to think that they wouldn't build on that and have a bigger movie down the line as long as you brought back all of the things that made it work. And they brought back nothing from the last (laughs) film except, strangely, the guy who played the Predator. It's the same Predator, Kevin Peter Hall, even though he died last movie. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, and this is the real shocker to me, the screenwriters are the same. I would never have guessed that. Me either. But Jim and John Thomas wrote the original as well and wrote this draft in three weeks. Well, that shows. Just saying. Lest we get into too much more of this, I think, I guess a plot summary is going to explain this for the layman viewer listening right now. We're in the future. The future, Arnie? Yes, all the way to the year 1997. 
in Los Angeles, which has become a war zone due to Jamaican gang voodoo violence. (laughs) (laughs) I got so much to say about that, but we go on. Both the cops and gang members are armed to the teeth. They have grenade launchers and everything. But into this battle zone, a new predator comes. He kills some gang members, but in the fight, he identifies the alpha male as police lieutenant Mike Harrigan, played by Danny Glover. (laughs) Given Harrigan's dominance in the battlefield, the Predator chooses him as the primary target for this urban jungle hunt. Harrigan tries to investigate who killed five gang members plus his police partner, but Agent Keys, played by Gary Busey, has brought in a federal task force that seems to know about the Predator and shuts Harrigan out of the investigation. Harrigan and his cop friends Bill Paxton, Maria Conchita Alonzo, continue their investigation anyway and come close to the Predator, but it turns out the federal agency knows about the Predator because of the incident in Central America from the last movie and are trying to capture the Predator for his technology. The feds face off against the Predator in a meatpacking plant. The Predator kills all the feds, Detective Harrigan wounds the Predator and cuts off his arm, preventing the Predator from using his nuclear weapon, and then pursues the fleeing Predator onto his spaceship underneath an apartment complex, and then kills the Predator with his own discus weapon. But then Harrigan has to face a large number of Predators who, respecting Harrigan's hunting ability, give him a gun from 1715 and allow him to leave. The Predators then take off and leave Earth. A lot to talk about there. All right, let's start with this cast. It's kind of a lethal weapon reunion. We got Danny Glover and Gary Busey together again. Not only that, the police chief is one of Murtaugh's, I mean, Danny Glover's commandos. Did you notice that? No, no. The the guy who plays uh, the chief in all four lethal weapon movies, who is Richard Donner's cousin, which is why he's in lethal weapon movies and in the original Superman movie. And the actor's name is escaping me. He's right there with him in the beginning of the movie during that whole shootout in the street. So Danny Glover, I know him. I know him from Saw, of course, because we did that retrospective series. But really, I know him from Lethal Weapon. And that is all. And, you know, he's pretty much the guy who's always saying, I'm getting too old for this shit. That's him, right? Why is he the star of Predator 2? I don't understand. The only thing I can equate this to is a funny story. This is a little tangent here, but follow me here. They were going to make a movie out of Anne Rice's sex book called Exit to Eden, and they were determined to get Sharon Stone. We got to get Sharon Stone. We got to get Sharon Stone. We got to get Sharon Stone. When they couldn't get Sharon Stone, who did they get? Rosie Rosie O'Donnell. O'Donnell. (laughs) You can't get Arnold, so you get Danny Glover, the curmudgeon that wants to retire, who doesn't want to do any action, who's always wanting to sit down. This is your action star for Predator 2. What a bad miscast. And I like Danny Glover. It should be said, he was also in really good dramatic roles in Witness and The Color Purple. He definitely is a good actor in The Right Thing, but I do not think of him as kick-ass, ever, even in Lethal Weapon. I do know him. He was in Grand Canyon also. But yeah, I just don't see him as the lead for this. And so when I going into this movie, it's already got a strike against him. Like, oh, Danny Glover. I mean, he's in Lethal Weapon and he's action-y in that, but he uh, he's not it you know he's he's Murtaugh he's not Riggs he was in full Murtaugh mode for me the whole movie from the get-go in this opening shot opening battle in the street with his street gangs he was yelling the entire time 
And I just was wondering, why is he yelling all the time? And even when he was whispering later on, it was almost like he was yelling when they were in the apartment building about five minutes later. It's so different from the last movie. It was really a, a jaunting way to begin this movie. And I don't think they needed to get Arnold. I'm not sad that Arnold's not back. If you remember my review from the last one, I didn't think Arnold brought a lot to the party. So I'm cool with recasting. And I think it would have been a strain to put that character in this futuristic L.A. scenario. I mean, how? How could the same alien find him twice in a row in two different places? I'll tell you, they wanted Arnold for this movie in the Gary Busey role. Mm, uh, okay. okay. Where he was going after the Predator instead of the Predator going after him. But then they must okay. have, that role must have been much bigger than the original script then, right? Or they may have re- rewritten it for him to be a bigger role then. Cause I don't know. He went off to do Terminator 2. And- <laughs> Again, I ask... We can't get Arnold, so we got Gary Busey? Well, now, Gary Busey, I buy a little bit more. I mean, we got Surviving the Game. He was in Under Siege, I remember. I'm, I'm pulling some out of my head here. God, I'm thinking, what do I know him from? Silver Bullet and DC Cab and uh, Celebrity Rehab. But Okay, so he's cheap. <laughs> he, he's cheap and he's crazy. And that's kind of what they're going for here. Now, it should be said, I kind of knew what was up with this one. I saw Predator 2 on video. Arnie, I think I watched it with you. At my house, while cleaning my basement, I can't say we were devotedly watching. We were, it it was on. No, it was noise in the background. But I had read the Dark Horse comic book. Now, Dark Horse had bought into 20th Century Fox characters, and they were putting out Alien and Predator comics, and this was the trial run. The first issues of Predator were the trial run for the script that this ultimately became. And you know what? It wasn't bad. As I recall, the original comic book was mildly believable. It certainly wasn't the disaster that I would call this movie. So I had no problem with them setting it in the future at all. Uh, But they did have the main character being the brother of Dutch, and you had a very Arnold Schwarzenegger-looking character in the lead, and they were still trying to play it that way in New York City. Quite a different thing to have Danny Glover in Los Angeles, which, can I just say, does not have a very big downtown, not too many skyscrapers, not too many places for the Predator to hide. The whole thing is farcical. This should have been in Manhattan. It was supposed to be they went to L.A. for budgetary reasons. The script Mm. said Manhattan. (laughs) budgetary reasons seem to have made a lot of the decisions in this film perhaps the casting because brock you said he's in full-on murtaugh mode the thing is what i think about murtaugh i mean i think of him sitting on a toilet with a bomb and i think of him saying i'm getting too old for this shit it's very rare that murtaugh is the one who takes the car and drives it at the people all (laughs) shooting at him and then uses his car as a shield to bring in the other cops that's Riggs. i'm with you with that sense of it but the the yelling and and the line readings to me i think that's just how danny glover acts or lack thereof well, no, well, again, Stuart made a very good point earlier. I completely agree with him. In, in the right role, Danny Glover is phenomenal. And unfortunately, this is not the right role. And so it seemed to me that he was floundering from the get-go with this character, with this script. I, I don't blame him. I, I think it's the script that he has nothing to work with, so he's doing the best he can with it. I get the desperation off this guy the entire time, whether or not he's is a character choice or just the actor trying to say, hey, folks, like, this is what I got to work with. I don't know. And Danny tried. Danny tried. I'm going to give him a little bit of props. He does a gratuitous shirtless scene at one point, and he does 
does work out. I mean, I'll give him that. He's not a slouch. He, I was expecting to see a pot belly, and, and the man is in shape. It's just you cannot write this character the same way you would Arnold Schwarzenegger or even Mel Gibson. And that's clearly who they wish they had gotten was one of those types and not Danny Glover. And this whole movie feels like we wish we could have gotten them, but we got them. We got Maria Conchita Alonso because she was in The Running Man with Arnold, who we didn't get. And we got Bill Paxton from Aliens, which we wish this movie was. And don't forget, from Terminator. Yes. Yeah. And, and dude, it keeps getting better and better as it goes along. Robert Davi shows up. Adam Baldwin shows up. I couldn't believe the people. I was like getting so happy with this, the B-level people they were getting for this movie. I was smiling. I couldn't believe Adam Baldwin, who is not a Baldwin brother, but is in fact probably more listeners know him from Firefly. I never watched Firefly. I know him from being on the TV series Chuck right now, where he looks and acts exactly the same. He was also in Independence Day. And full metal day. jacket. He was? Yep. Yes. Oh, my God. How long? How and old is this guy? He was also in My Bodyguard from 1980 was his big break. He was the bully in that movie that the kid had to hire the other kid for to protect him. So the cast is what it is, and they're obviously going for a different thing. I commented on the last movie that it re they really took from the spirit of the 80s. There was a whole lot of Vietnam movies. You know, we were finally dealing with all the guilt about Vietnam, and we had Platoon and Full Metal Jacket and all those other ones, and Predator jumped on that. Did you guys get RoboCop off this? Totally. Totally. I, I couldn't get more RoboCop off this. From the gang violence to the near future, you know, yeah. to the big guns and the gang members have the grenade launchers and the cops have the body armor and the TV news reporters were crying out loud. They went that far into RoboCop territory. Yeah, I mean, there was it was really in the news that L.A. was having a gang problem at that time. Rap music was starting to come to vogue. There was people that were killed at screenings of the movie's Colors, which was a movie about L.A. gangs. And I feel like between Colors and RoboCop, this was where they were pitching this new story. This is where they were going to go. But missed it by a mile. You know, I haven't seen RoboCop in a long time, but the thing that always stands out about RoboCop is it's got that cartoonish satirical humor. You know, Vorhoven is so good at making jokes with splatter. I mean, and here you've either got to be sleazier or smarter than him. And this movie is neither. It's dumb and it's uncreative. Well, it's directed by Stephen Hopkins. We know mm. Stephen Hopkins. He brought us the dream child. This was his <laughs> follow up. <laughs> and, you know, in the last movie, we talked about how it had great camera work great lighting here i gotta say i went in actually expecting to really dislike everything due to it i felt like this film was competent i thought the action scenes in the beginning had some good camera work and things but still you gotta wonder how much impact stephen hopkins had on the story and the plot and the pacing and this movie is just oh I'm going to take an unenviable task right now i'm going to try to defend stephen hopkins oh good luck all right. Wow. Well, here's here's what I have to say about him. He was a young director who made a name stepping into a troubled Nightmare on Elm Street movie and getting something made out of it. And they Fox was clearly rushing this sequel as well and said, who do we know that'll work cheap and throw together a story that'll hang and have a beginning, middle, and end? I feel like he's a hack for hire in that who knows what he could do with a good script, but they keep giving him bad ones. So I don't know if it's all his fault. I feel like he's being handed substandard material and making it 
substandardly. I, I don't know what you mean. Judgment Night was a genius script. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I suppose when you look at his later choices, maybe not so great. But he did develop the TV show 24, and that was kind of fun for a while. Sure. So they're in this city. At the very beginning, on the radio, they say it's 109 degrees in L.A. Wouldn't the Predator just see everything red? <laughs> <laughs> And yet, nobody really looked sweaty either, except Danny Glover. His shirt, he had, he had pit stains, but other than that, no one was sweating. Oh, King Willie sweat a lot. Okay. Did either of you notice Gerardo was rapping in one of the scenes, like Danny Glover's down in the barrio, and it's Gerardo? No, because I heard that, and it made me think, oh, you know, this was right around the time that the Spanglish rap was trying to come on. And I thought about Rico Suave and that whole little... It was on the same album. It was a song entitled, En Mi Barrio. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I I didn't I didn't make the full arc there. I kind of was headed that way, but I did not realize it was genuine Gerardo Banglish rap. As owner of Mo Ritmo, I recognized it instantly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, they uh, they certainly knew that that was going to be popular in 1997. <laughs> yes. Well, they've got Morton Downey Jr. as a reporter playing to his strengths, making me hate him. <laughs> I don't know that anyone remembers who this guy is. He had a talk show in the 80s. That's how I know him. He was the guy that sort of founded tabloid trash TV. I mean, he was before hard copy, before a current affair. It was him. You know, him and Geraldo were the ones bringing the Nazis, throwing the chairs and all of that kind of stuff. He yelled at guests. He's he's just a foul, unpleasant human being. It just, ugh. And I think his show had been canceled, which is why he was available for movies. Thank God they got him. <laughs> We've already talked how we didn't believe the future world. Jamaican gangs. Mm. This is what's terrifying. Jamaican voodoo gangs, which as soon as they said voodoo gangs, I'm like, they're going to think the predator's ritual is voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> what's the whole point of having Jamaicans because they have dreadlocks and because the predator looks like he has dreadlocks? Because other than that... I cannot think of why you would have Jamaicans in Los Angeles. It's on the other coast. We don't have a lot of them. They're not creating gang warfare. They're certainly not picking fights with Colombians. It's absurd. It is an absurd. By the way, Jamaicans don't even practice voodoo. That's Haiti. Yeah. <laughs> in Los Angeles, you would be hard-pressed to find a Rastafarian. <laughs> Even here in Venice Beach, all of ours are local. We do not import them from Jamaica. All of our potheads and Rastafarians are from here, and they do not shoot each other. Take IMDb's trivia page for what it's worth, but it says the Jamaican voodoo posse gangs seen in the film were based on actual gangs that were terrorizing New York City and Kansas City at one point in the mid to late 80s. Kansas City? I, oh, I don't oh. know about Kansas City and gang violence either. But hey, if I read it on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> I think Stephen Hopkins put that in there. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, clearly the Bloods and the Crips are what the L.A. gangs are known for, and they did not want to step into anything that was real and legit. I mean, they know that they're making a phony movie, and by setting it in the future, they don't have to address the real gang violence that's happening in L.A. So they create these cartoon gangs. I mean, it's a Absurd, but 
if it were funny, if it were outlandish, I could go with it. But instead, it just feels kind of dumb. But they're right about one thing. They're down there shooting it out in the fashion district. And after the sun goes down, you would not want to be around there. It is kind of a sketchy neighborhood. So the Predator goes in and kills King Willie's voodoo guys. King Willie. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say, yeah, really, the whole thing was just really Scooby-Doo for me. That's a very violent episode of Scooby-Doo there, Stuart. (laughs) Jackie and Scooby took up rifles and started shooting the ghosts in the town. <laughs> well, forget that part. But just the the idea of the boogeyman being this this I mean, come on, this guy's laughable. Do you think he could command anything? I mean, the idea that there's all these multiple factions, not just one Jamaican voodoo gang, but he's like the principal guy that they all respect, right? And he's hanging out in an alley, and as soon as he leaves, the predator wastes him. He's got, I guess he's got the knife cane. That's his big weapon. But mm-hmm. I just thought, this clown is the lead of any gang? It's, it's absurd. Yeah, he's terribly acted. He's stereotypical. He's useless. He yes. gives such great dialogue as, There's no stopping what can't be stopped. There's no killing what can't be killed. And, and this guy rules the gang. He needs to put down the ganja and get some business acumen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and then when the predator takes him out, he cuts his head off. It's a quick cut from him about to scream to his head cut off, and it's screaming. And I want to know, how are you making sound with your vocal cords slashed and no lungs attached to you? I mean, it's they're, they're, I, I'm pretty sure. I've never cut anyone's head off, but I'm pretty sure it cannot make noise once you do that. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I took that as the scream came earlier. We were seeing the head after the scream, like the sound was out of time. But the other thing is this film was the first film to be given an NC-17 rating and it had to be heavily cut. It feels that way. I feel like the editing is so scattered that it feels like something large parts of it feel cut and not just the violence but just story how characters go from one scene to the other it doesn't really make sense why Danny Glover wanders into that alley and then wanders away I mean why does he even get in the in the Ganges smoke car with the Jamaicans to go see King Welly it's there's so much about this movie that feels incomplete that aspect I did get because he mentioned that he and King Willie had a common enemy. So he went he sought after the gang members to have him set up an appointment with King Willie. What they did not show us is, from what I can remember, him contacting somebody from that gang to get him the appointment. All of a sudden they pull up and he, he mentioned a scene earlier that he wanted that to happen. And then it miraculously happened. It was really disjointed. So maybe that was on the cutting room floor. I agree with you anyway, regardless of the details of, of how it's disjointed, it's completely disjointed. And it right from the get-go with this opening scene, when the Predator crashes through and kills the guys in that room, it, it just felt like they were asking us a hell of a lot to go along with without giving us any sort of thread to follow along with that was cohesive throughout the entire movie. And it started in the beginning of this movie. Well, here's the problem with putting the Predator in L.A., and it's similar to the problem of putting Jason in Manhattan. I didn't get why he was going after specific people he was, why he would go after the gang members. Yes, we know from the last one he only attacks who's armed, assuming this predator follows the same moral code as the last. But it seemed like in this future society that's torn apart by gangland, it seemed very remarkable he just happened to only be going after King Willie's gang and after some cops. There's a lot of armed people, as we saw in that subway car. So many people pulled out guns. You think the Predator could be doing a little bit more killing? I, I It just, 
the Predator's motivation in this film is very tenuous to me, and we're going to talk more about it in later scenes, but it starts in this very beginning. I could see why he killed those gang members because it was in the middle of the action, but why wouldn't he then go and kill the cops? Yeah, it, he should be having a free-for-all. There should be a no end to his bloodlust. In a world where everyone is armed and everyone has, you know, a pistol cocked and, and waiting to pull it on someone, I wouldn't know how you would morally uh, impose a judgment about who was worthy of being hunted or killed. More essentially to the point, I just want to cut to the quick. I wanted more Predator in this film. Where is he? This is Predator 2. He's the thing that holds the original movie together. And in this one, I just missed him. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to know what his M.O. was. And other than looking really cool when he's posing on top of a building, I just didn't feel like he had much to do. Well, let me go back to when we saw this together on video, Stuart. I think I had an Entertainment Weekly, but it might have been a Starlog that I showed to you. And it showed the Predator and had all of his equipment and gave it all its names, right? And it actually had a blurb talking with, I think, the writers. And they said, we have plans to make four Predator movies total. And in each one, we're going to explore a different aspect of the Predator. In Predator 2, it's all about the weapons. And then in Predator 3, it's going to be about the society. And in Predator 4, something else. I can't remember. But I specifically remember that article. Predator 2 is all about introducing you to his weapons, which they do. There's a lot of new weapons. He's got a telescoping spear. He's got a killer boomerang frisbee. He's got a lot of weapons. And that was their intent was to keep you still wanting more for parts three and four. Okay, but I didn't feel it was a Predator movie. And so the second half of this movie, I I didn't get it was a Predator movie. They had the the POV shots of the Predator. They had the scenes of the invisible Predator on the rooftop, yada, yada. But it felt like the Predator was shoehorned in a different movie, a movie that I've seen before that I didn't care about watching. So, Arnie, maybe you could explain to me what else they were going for this first half of this movie being so, as Stewart say, devoid of Predator. And really, what is it about these characters that I'm supposed to care about what's going on for? I have to completely disagree with you. I think the first movie felt more devoid of Predator than this one. This one starts off, at least he's killing the Jamaican gangs. He's killing people on the subway. I don't understand, like, when... Danny Glover goes to visit his partner's grave and the Predator has him in his sights. The Predator leaves Danny alone. Like, they also respect the dead in the Predator world. I don't get that. That was a big gaping hole. But to me, the first movie was the one that didn't feel enough Predator-ish because the first, I guess, Stuart timed it at 20 minutes. It was Commando 2. This one, the Predator's there from the very beginning and the very first scene you see the shootout that ends with the predator killing five people and skinning them he's killing people in the apartment of that informant he's everywhere killing everything it's paced a lot like a horror movie i felt there was a lot of predator kills in this movie i think there were too many because again i kept wondering why he's killing all these other people and not going after the alpha male who he has identified as danny glover the first, well, okay, wait, wait. I'm gonna say two things to that. First thing, he left Danny Glover live on the rooftop in the beginning of the in the end of that first sequence. Why let Danny Glover live at that time? Danny Glover had a gun drawn. It makes absolutely no sense for the Predator to do what he's doing in this movie. And so at the end, the second half of this movie, when they're finally realized the Predator's around, they finally realize that Gary Busey's people are hiding things, etc. It feels like a Predator movie based on what I know from the first movie. This first half of this movie has all the stuff with the cops and all this junk with the feds and all that kind of stuff that I don't care about. 
And it doesn't make any sense why the Predator is there. Any sense at all. And, and so the first movie, was, you, you, you are waiting for the movie to unfold, and they don't answer that question really, as I mentioned last podcast, as why the Predator is there. At least it makes more sense that he's in the jungle hunting something. Why the well, you, hell is he there? We're, here's part of the problem. Arnie, you're saying that it almost sounds like you're saying that there wasn't enough Predator for you in the beginning of Predator, but you liked the characters you were with, and you understood the journey they were taking. I don't like a single person on screen here. I don't find anyone charming, heroic, interesting, nobody. And it's not just Danny Glover is an insufficient leading man. Every single person walking on screen is reprehensible. You are 100% correct. Everyone here is terrible. Bill Paxton, who I love in everything, yep. is bad here. Yep. Yep. Maria Cochito Alonso, why is she here? I think the running <laughs> man is the only explanation. Yeah, yeah. Gary Busey has the charisma of a slug. He's great in the right role, but he's never going to carry a film for you. Mm-hmm. And then you got Danny Glover, who he's 54 when this movie was made. He's too old for this shit, if I may steal his line. <laughs> the cast is correct. terrible. So, yeah. here, guys, I had an epiphany when watching this. What if they had gone the entirely different way? What if the star of the movie and the character that you followed all the time was the Predator? Wouldn't that have been more interesting if you'd watched the Predator observing these reprehensible people and watching <laughs> how he chose and picked who he did? We would get to learn a lot more about him. I, I realize it would be a very different take, but it's already a very different take. I feel like, it, at the very least, I would have gotten to know more about this alien whose interest you piqued with the last film. I don't know that you can have that movie from the Predator's point of view. You have to have protagonists that you can identify with instead of just monsters. So I think that that's a problem that if we went from the Predator's point of view with these reprehensible people, you know, you, you start to get into Freddy land at that point where you're identifying with the mass killer. Right. That's my point. You're saying you I- should? I, I'm saying in a movie where the characters are this bad, I would have re- much rather spent my time with the cool bad guy than all of these <laughs> maggoty, dull, ugly people. But also by the same token, huge flaw, the Predator doesn't talk. You know, all he does is quote back what he hears. And so Freddy's able to pull it off because he's witty, where Jason and Michael, it's harder to follow them like that. Yeah, he's, he would definitely have had to watch something more than uh, what he's been watching. Where did he even learn some of this language? I, was, I did not approve of his foul mouth. <laughs> I thought he got it just from the people he watched. But yeah, the Predator, again, you asked this last time, Stuart. I asked it with this movie. Does the Predator know what he's saying? Like, he's in this old lady's apartment. She's got curlers in her hair and watching Jeopardy. <laughs> Oh, God. The worst scene in the movie. The worst scene in the movie. They're going for some kind of laugh, I guess. Isn't that when he goes, motherfucker? Yeah. And not only that, you know, the, Hopkins is so into the scene that later Danny Glover runs into it and says, I'm a cop, and and you got to have the old lady to use foul language, too. I don't think he gives a fuck. I mean, oh, my God. Like, really? Really? Not only do we have to have an alien swearing, but we have to have an old lady with a broom swearing after he leaves her apartment? I mean... No, come on. This that by that point the movie had really lost control. It started off bad, but by the time they were there, it was unsavable. Let's say that we don't like Danny Glover and his cop thing. Yeah, we don't like the predator and the gang thing. We don't no. like King Willie and his gangs. No. What about Gary Busey and his feds of 
extraterrestrial investigators. First of all, I'm glad they were E.T. investigators because I was very confused at the beginning of this film about jurisdiction because they were talking about the DEA and the FBI and the cops and then there was SWAT. I was very confused who was what. So I was glad that they were actually intentionally being somewhat shady and they're going for the Predator. Yeah, there were too many captains in this. Do you realize that? There's like Robert Davi and then there's some other Captain Pilgrim guy and then uh, Danny Glover yeah, is overseeing other people. I'm like, who is in control of this? It, it was all very confusing. And then when you said, well, now Gary Busey is taking control of it all, they tricked me because I really thought, oh, here's just another bad guy. Gary Busey's always the rotten guy, so it's going to have to be him and another un- understanding cop. But I kind of like the reveal that he actually had all the information on the Predator and would actually be an ally of sorts. It would have been interesting to see Arnold in that role. Obviously, that would have telegraphed to you at that point who the star of the movie was and what his real intention was. You would never thought he was a bad cop. I knew exactly from the get-go when Gary Busey came in saying he's DEA, yada, yada, that he knew all about the Predator and he was there for the Predator. I knew instantly, I have not seen this movie before. I have never read the script. I never read the comic book. None of that. It was completely obvious that that character and that team was there for the Predator and not for any other gang violence-related reason to this viewer. And so maybe I've seen too many movies like this before or with those kinds of twists But to me, it was just telegraphed the whole time. So there was no surprises in this movie whatsoever, except the fact that the Predator kept letting Danny Glover live. I don't I don't I don't get it. I still don't get it now watching this movie. Maybe you guys can explain it to me later in the podcast. I don't. I don't. I not only do I not understand why the Predator let Danny Glover live. I don't know why he anointed him the ultimate hunt, because at some point you get the sense that the Predator feels like this is going to be the guy that I'm going to have my one-on-one. This is what it's all going to build to. And I'm sorry, but no, Danny Glover is not that guy. He really isn't. And they should have never, ever had that be the case. Beyond that, even if you could buy Danny Glover as the alpha dog, which you can't, but if you could, why'd the Predator save him for last? In the last movie, it's not like he left Dutch for last. He killed with opportunity and Dutch was the least opportune. Yeah, indeed, he would have gotten Dutch if that trap they had set hadn't yanked him up into the sky. Yeah, so in this movie, I don't get why he's toying with Danny Glover. I mean, is he going to kill everybody in L.A.? And then Danny Glover and he can one-on-one? I mean, is he waiting for Danny Glover to come after him? It's not because, you know, you you don't have insight into the Predator's motivations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know, It's but it's it's nonsensical the way it's portrayed. And when you finally get to that scene on the subway car, that's when it becomes apparent. There's a third gang now. Not only do we have Colombians and Jamaicans, but there's some other gangs that are running around harassing feeble-looking people on a public commuter train. And the Predator comes in there and starts wasting everyone because they all have guns and everyone's pulling guns. And I just thought, well, this should be the whole movie then. It should just be the Predator running around killing everyone because in this world, everyone has a gun. Yeah, and he killed everyone with a gun there. That's what Danny Glover said. They were all armed. But again, just, is he going to kill Granny with her holdout? You know, I mean, at at what point? He didn't kill the woman with the mop, and he didn't kill the kid with the water pistol. And he didn't kill the pregnant cop. And yeah, because she had what looked like a very well-developed fetus inside of her, even though she and apparently no one else knew she was pregnant, decided to not take her out. Right. Why is she pregnant and who impregnated her? And does it matter? 
there's a novelization that you can read. Uh, no. No, I will not read that. <laughs> you will tell me or I will live in ignorance happily. So. <laughs> you will live, You will have to live in ignorance. It, it, there apparently was a higher subplot about it. I knew it. And it was cut. Yeah, okay. But, yeah. it. you know, my guess, I, I would think it would be Bill Paxton. Yeah, that was my guess, too, because she started the movie grabbing his balls, and you know yep. that when people are at odds, they usually fall in love. That's just a stereotype in movies. Yeah, sure. so, th- again, you were right. There's uh, some subplots cut. That was one of them. And so the whole uh, fetus thing kind of comes out of left field, whereas in the movie, you know, maybe you'd feel worse. Oh, God, he's not just going to kill a woman, but an unborn child. I got to say, though, again, he scans her body. That fetus looked like it was well far along. I mean, Bill Paxton met her maybe a week or two ago, and that thing looked ready to pop. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it was the other guy who was, uh, who was killed, the first good, the good cop who was killed, who was investigating the apartment building. I mean, after- Danny Boy. Yes. yes I Danny Boy. Him. Maybe that was his kid because she makes a reference like we all love Danny. Mm. So maybe that's what it was. I, that's who I thought the father was, actually. But you know what? I don't care yeah, because I don't care about her, her child, or anyone else in Los Angeles. And w- in fact, we never see her again after that scene. <laughs> she might as well have died. Yeah, I'm glad they showed her, and they're glad they said that she's alive because the predator killing the baby <laughs> in that situation, the baby's not armed. You know. So. <laughs> I want to talk about a scene I really liked. Because mm. there is something in this movie that I like, and I liked the strobing subway effect there. Oh, jeez. I thought I, that worked well. I thought it was way too much. I think they needed to tone that down considerably, considering it was so hard to follow what the hell was going on because it was so crazy. I, I appreciate what they were going for in that scene. I've seen it done better other places. This was not very well done. Bravo for trying, boys, but you missed the spot. In Brock's opinion... Arnie liked it, and that's great. Um, I'm grabbing on what I can here. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying this is the best strobe effect I've ever seen in a movie. I'm just saying it was an oasis in the middle of this boring movie. An oasis without any water, but yeah, okay. Um, well, it was I, 109 degrees. It evaporated. <laughs> Maybe evaporated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, after this, eventually the movie stops being so off the rails, and it just drops everything. It forgets about Jamaican gangs, and it forgets about subway cars, and it becomes Gary Busey and the Feds and Danny Glover against the Predator. And admittedly, it's a very short part of the movie, but it's at least when the movie coheres and starts to feel better. And it's all the feds go in to the meatpacking plant where they've traced the Predator and he goes there to get some takeout every couple of weeks. So I want to say that this is when the movie, I mentioned earlier, the second half of the movie is when I started liking it. What you just said is why I started liking the second half of this movie. Because it felt like a cohesive movie about these people hunting the Predator, the Predator hunting them. It was what I want from a Predator movie, not the first 45 minutes of whatever I got before. Was this only 45 minutes? Because it felt like it was 15 minutes from the end at this point, really. When you say half, I, I think this is the beginning of the climax. I don't think this movie climaxed for half the time. Well, there you go. So that's a perfect, perfect reasoning to what I was saying. To me, it felt like the movie started taking off there. And whatever happened after that, I was happy with. To me, it's split in half. It's split in the first part of the movie and the second part of the movie. So maybe it's not technically 50%, 50%. But to me, the second half of the movie, when they started doing this stuff, is what I'm calling the second half. Allow me to douse water on the flicker of enthusiasm you have for this moment. <laughs> you, you know that it is 100% stolen, stolen from aliens. 
the seeing the way it is set up with Danny Glover watching these men in arms on TV cameras as they go into the slaughterhouse is exactly what how Sigourney Weaver is in the vehicle watching the men go down into the lower levels of the nuclear reactor and seeing the bodies hanging there. I mean, it's it's note for note, scene for scene. Danny Glover pulling off his headset, screaming that you know he's got to be the one going to everything. This is straight out of Aliens. If James Cameron even bothered to to watch this movie, he could sue them for plagiarism and win. I don't know that you. Yes, it is straight out of Aliens, but that doesn't make it less effective. <laughs> If you're asking me if this is the best part of the movie, you're correct. And the reason why is it's it's, it's taken from a very good movie. <laughs> Fair enough. And in Aliens, they weren't using, like, the Ghostbusters freeze guns. Oh, yes, but can I ask you something? This is a slaughterhouse, obviously, right? Why is all the cattle already dead? Well, like, like they just have dead carcasses <laughs> hanging there. Like uh, the whole point of a slaughterhouse is this is where they get killed. I, maybe it's a meat packing plant. Uh, okay, but maybe, maybe, but they they keep calling it a slaughterhouse, and then they're like, we something about they douse everything in radiation. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to In and Out Burger anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Forget uh, E. coli. This is a real problem if Gary Busey's solution is dousing meat with radiation. Your blood's going to be neon green after you eat it. <laughs> exactly. I have a question, though. No fast food tie-in. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, both of you. So they said they tracked this predator to this meat locker place because they said he needs a snack every whatever. I got the impression from the first movie when we saw him vacuum clean the skulls that he was eating the flesh a little bit at least the skin so when he kills these people and he cleans them for trophies what is he doing with the flesh and the skin if he's not eating it for nourishment pelts and trophies is how i took it he only saves the skulls as we see later in the movie he doesn't save the pelts we don't see any pelts on his outfit or anything like that so i got the impression he was also eating them as well as using them as trophies and hunting them down it's an interesting question. I never, it never occurred to me until this moment that he might be consuming flesh. It just wasn't a thought of mine. But, you know, it could have been, and that would be interesting to know. Predators hunt because not for sport, right? Am I, could no, be it's 100% for sports. No, 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 not the predator aliens. Real predators like <laughs> lions. Like lions, a shark. Okay. Like sharks. They, they do for defense, right? And they do for food, for nourishment, right? So that's what I thought he was doing i mean obviously he's hunting this predator doesn't go for the trap and release quite obviously but <laughs> I, I don't necessarily know that he's one of those eat what he kills hunters i honestly i'll agree with you though brock i kind of had the same thought i'm like he goes to a refrigeration unit he doesn't hunt his own food that, that's kind of <laughs> odd but okay i'll go with it how american of him i mean it's amazing <laughs> well there, he's obviously from a technological world you know he's got all those madden gadgets you got to figure they got a supermarket yeah <laughs> 
He's at Whole it Foods. Doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I never even thought about him eating. So when they say that we – basically, it's this long-winded explanation of we found this tuning fork that's made of metal we've never seen before, and it's covered with blood that has steroids from cows. So we've concluded that he's eating cows from this nearby packing plant. Uh, okay, whatever. You know, I'm not thinking about how this works. I'm like, get, let's just get on with this crap. How much longer is this? This is what I'm thinking about. So the Predator takes out the Fed team. Danny Glover goes running into the radiation room. And then they finally start going mano a mano. And again, I kind of thought it sort of worked at this point. It's, it's no Arnold Predator fight. But in, in this movie, this was the best I got. And I kind of liked their fight. I liked Danny Glover going down the elevator shaft while the Predator healed his wounds. Yes, the old lady with the broom was a terrible misstep. If you could excise that part from the movie, I would think the entire ending would be good. But that old lady and the curlers in Jeopardy, just, oh, what a, what a, no, sour note. I like the shotgun when he shot him up with the shotgun. But the falling down the elevator shaft and uh, not getting hurt, and then also falling in the hole and blocking it with his arms. And then after all of that, he gets up, and there's not an injury, not a problem, nothing. He gets up and just walks like nothing happened. That one really got me. The whole predator falling off the roof with the pipe, crashing the other building, and then Danny Glover doesn't go down down of the street and go to the other building, he decides to climb down the pole like the Predator and then transfer from that pole to the other pole to get to the building. I was thinking, this character will take these kinds of risks when they fall off the roof and he happens to land on the ledge. All of these things that are insane. For John McClane, I might go with it. But for this guy, absolutely not. This man's taking risks that he would never take earlier in this movie. It doesn't make any sense. Not true. I think this guy takes these very risks early in this movie when he drives into the gang fight. He's supposed to be reckless and hot-headed. The fact is Danny Glover doesn't play it well. But the way the character's written, right. he would do this. But Arnie, he is afraid of heights. They establish that in the opening shot when he's leaning over and he gets kind of dizzy. And that's indeed why he doesn't even think he's looking at a predator is because he thinks it's hot and I've got vertigo and that's not an invisible alien that's running away. Yeah, I mean, the car thing aside, uh, yes, thank you, Stuart. I mean, like, it just it doesn't make any sense to me that uh, this character would then jump down an elevator shaft or or try to go down an elevator shaft or try to go down call, a the side of a Call car. for backup? I don't know, you know. Uh, something. Yeah. Something. I, I'll tell you what, one thing I, I did enjoy, one little, little moment I did enjoy in all of this climax was when Harrigan actually goes to lift off the mask. That's pretty cool. I thought, not that we haven't seen that scene before. Indeed, there's nothing in this movie we haven't seen before. True. But I thought, that's what I would want to know, too. If the Predator were lying on the ground, I would want to take a look at him. And then he starts to say the line, you are one ugly, and the Predator finishes, motherfucker. I gotta know, how did he know the line? Like, this is not the same Predator. Editor. He didn't learn it from Arnold. How did he know he was going to say motherfucker? Again, I still don't even know if he's like a one-year-old just saying things and not knowing what they mean, or I don't know. But what I have to say is they improved the Predator's makeup. He's got creepier eyebrows now. He looked mm -hmm. great in the first film. He looks even better in the second film. Yeah, I agree. The face was just remarkable here. I, I really was impressed with the amount of detail that went into that mask. I liked it, too. I also liked all the weapons. I thought the Predator costume and the Predator weapon, the design of all of that, I thought was really cool. Question for you guys. After he takes off the mask, the Predator looks like he's having trouble breathing. 
They didn't imply that in the first movie, that the suit was actually something that allowed him to live, that it was like oxygen supply. Is that what we're supposed to understand, that he can't breathe our air, that he needs that suit? in order to live i took it as because he was shot in the chest several times oh right that too <laughs> yeah he was he was breathing in a mask it wasn't like breathing some sort of oxygen or something in or am i dreaming this that he put something up to his face and he was heaving with heaving breaths yeah uh, yeah so uh, i got that impression too Stuart. but i think arnie's right i think it's just because he got injured because also later on when danny glover goes into the spaceship i was thinking to myself well why isn't danny glover any, any sort of atmospheric thing i, I guess they do breathe air because the predators on earth Yada, yada. So, like, that's how I took it to be. Class M planet. <laughs> so, we're now Danny Glover then follows the Predator into the Predator ship. I have to ask, how does he do that? They're going down an elevator shaft, and there's a hole at the bottom of the shaft? Mm-hmm. Is, is the... is. Was the apartment building built atop the Predator ship? <laughs> it was, again, another scene that I feel like got cut was how Danny Glover went from the chase to being in the ship. I swear to God, I must have zoned out or something. But all of a sudden, he was in this room that was glowing. And, and I was like, I-, I don't know how he got here. And I am not going to rewind this thing. All right, I'll be honest. But- I did the exact same thing. Only I did rewind it and watch it again to be like, did I miss something here? No, no, I didn't. There's no segue. All of a sudden, he's on a very badly decorated set. Yeah, I I, I assumed it was in a a sewer. I mean, these things are evil is always in the sewer in a big city, right? So it's it's not underneath the building. It's in the sewer that runs underneath the building. That's all I can presume. But boy, they don't show us. And maybe they didn't have the money for the set. Or maybe they just didn't care anymore. Or maybe it's on the cutting room floor because it was too violent. There's there's lots of things that it could be. All I know is we're finally inside the Predator ship, and that's kind of a get. I kind of want to know what that looks like. I was excited to finally get there. I thought we might get it in the first film, and we didn't. So, okay, cool. At least yeah. we know how they get home now. Because mm. in the last one, he was kind of dropped off at the pool. Right. <laughs> I, I like the ship very much, and I was very interested in seeing what was going on there. And one of the first shots we get is the trophy case, which mm-hmm. I paused because I thought I saw something there, and I did see it. And I thought that was really stinking cool. Honestly, but, you're, you, you really didn't know it was there. I know you've never seen the movie. Never seen it. But this is like very major pop culture lore. Everyone knows the alien head is in Predator 2. No, Arnie, I did not know. I did wow. not know a thing going into this movie, and I did not know it was there. I thought it was wicked cool. Then I started thinking, what are these other skulls looking around? And clearly the human one, because they focus on that. I thought it was a T-Rex on the left-hand side, but I couldn't tell what was next to the alien, and I was thinking I might have missed a reference to another sci-fi film or something. Did I miss something there, or it was just random skulls of aliens from other places in the universe that he has been? That was uh, Van Damme's duck head. i didn't recognize it if it is so maybe one of our listeners can tell us imdb trivia did not shed any light on it when i was i'm pretty sure the alien is the only known alien in that trophy case that all the other ones were just random miscellaneous skulls of various which is cool which is cool in my itself because that means he's with the other planets and Earth is only one planet he went to to do this sort of thing. Yeah. And it should be said we've never seen the alien homeworld. So the idea that this predator has been there or been to a place where the aliens have overrun it, but it certainly got me excited. It was probably the only time I got excited watching Predator 2. Yeah, so I was going to ask you both because you probably know more than me about this. Was this the idea 
for aliens and predators being combined, or did that already happen in the comics? It had happened in the comics. It already did. So they put that in here as a nod to that. Kind of. Stan okay. Winston was the creature designer of both, and or, or not the—he didn't design the alien. Excuse me, I misspoke. But he worked on aliens, and I'm sure he just kind of pulled it out of the prop shop and said, "Let's put this in here." Yep. Okay. I thought it was really cool. It, of course, you know, was like the Freddy glove in Jason Goes to Hell. It's teasing the audience to see what kind of buzz there is, what kind of demand there is. and mm-hmm. Well, also, it was like the Book of the Dead, actually, in, in that movie that we saw, the Friday the 13th movie, when they had the Book of the Dead there. Yeah. Yeah. But only here, this was owned by the same company, and it was not so much an homage. It was an homage, but also there was the comic. And as soon as this happened, back in 1990, everyone was like, all right, well, they're going to make Alien versus Predator. And sure enough, that was the next Predator film, albeit 14 years later. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that they had it right on the docket. I, I was... I'm quite sure they thought that Alien 3 would already be out by now. They, it should be said that as they were waiting for Alien 3 to cohere, they, both Predator movies have been made and released. So before they were going to do Alien vs. Predator, they had to get Alien 3 done. That was the one to do. And as I already said, they had Predator 3 and 4 already outlined in their heads, at least, ready to go. So Alien vs. Predator was going to be down the line some, but Predator 3 and 4 never happened. Mostly because of Predator 2. It was profitable. It made $60 million on a $35 million budget, but it, no, nobody really loved it, did they? Yeah. I, I know I didn't, and <laughs> uh, yeah. But I did love the trophy case, and I do like the idea of Alien versus Predator. I'm really happy there was more than one Predator on that ship, because I said to myself as I was watching the movie, oh, thank God, this big ship, no, only one Predator? Thank goodness. And I thought that was a really cool thing at the end that after we killed him, that they had <laughs> all these other ones popping up <laughs> from invisibility, watching the, their friend die. But maybe that's part of the whole thing of that he's a hunter and, you know, sometimes he gets hunted. Yada. Maybe it's an honor thing among their clan. But how cool was it they had extra people there? That was great. It was a suspenseful moment in a movie that had absolutely no suspense. I got to say, there's a little bit of an uh-oh when he takes down the Predator with the Frisbee and then looks around and the, all the other ones are there uncloaking and becoming visible. And how's he going to deal with that? They chicken out. But They even have the lasers on him. You know, the, the little laser triangle sight is on him. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the guns are aimed. You got to just figure he's dead. But the Predators have eyes. Yeah, they do have that, and so they give him a token from 1715 instead. What was the name on the gun, do you know? I don't remember the name, I didn't write it down, but I do know what it was intended to mean. Please tell me. The idea for Predator 3 was it was going to be a prequel, like a la Back to the Future 3. They were going back to the, not even the Wild West, it would have been even more beyond that. Colonial times... And that they were going to show predators fighting man with rudimentary weapons and rudimentary guns. And that you were going to see the man that owned that gun and how he lost it. Huh. That sounds terrible. Um, It probably wouldn't have worked, but could have been worse than this movie? No. Yeah. Yeah, it could have. Because imagine (laughs) old-timey... Oh, I had a sudden visual of a predator with a powdered wig on, and I went, yes, it could. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it would have been really a whole different kind of movie. Yeah, I don't know where it would have taken place. I mean, 1715, I mean, America wouldn't have even been founded yet. I mean, would they have had it in... 
I mean, the colonies were here. The colonies. Sure, the co- I mean, but yeah, but America as a country. <laughs> I mean, this sounds so miserable. The more we think of it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I, I yeah. mean, would it have been in Europe? I mean, what? I don't know. It, it sounds disastrous, doesn't it? Maybe he learned honor from the American Indians that the Europeans <laughs> were killing. Yeah, I don't know. You could have made jokes about George Washington cutting down the cherry tree in the background to knock it over on a predator. I mean, God, that's awful, isn't it? It's awful. <laughs> and how is he going to say motherfucker? I mean, does he introduce the word to them? I don't know. It's awful. Ye old motherfucker. <laughs> Thou doused fuck mothers. So, Stuart, Arnie, do you recommend Predator 2? Stuart. Ooh, they pissed it all away. <laughs> all of it. Everything that I was coming off from the last movie going, you know what? I need to give this guy a chance. The Predator's pretty cool. He's not the alien, but they're going for something different. And I like the honor system. I like the weapons. I like all of it. It's all gone. There's no reason to watch this movie. If you wanted to see futuristic violence and cartoonish action, great. Robocop, you can't do better than that. And if you want to see The Predator, see Predator. But Predator 2 has nothing to offer at all. Strongly not recommend. Arnie. I can't recommend this, but it's not as strong as Stewart's not recommend. Overall, this film is a bit nonsensical, but we at Now Playing tend to overanalyze things. <laughs> And this film is really a far fall off a cliff from the last one. But in the end, here's my biggest reason for not recommending this movie. It's boring. It drags on. And because there's so just threadbare a plot that you don't even know where things are going. It's very rare in a movie that I hit that little button to see how much longer I have to go. But I did that several times in this one, not because it was bad, but because I was bored. So it's certainly not the worst movie I've seen for this series, and it's probably not even the worst one I'm going to review in this series, but no, I really? do not. Really? Re- you think so? Well, oh, God, yeah. The next one is my bane. I'm looking forward to the next one. The title, like Alien vs. Predator, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that. I've never seen it. I'm going to make a prediction. I think this one's worse than AVP. We will see next time, but I, I give this one a solid not recommend. It, it's not good, but it, it's overall boringness is what kills it. Best Stephen Hopkins movie ever? <laughs> oh, no. I, I seriously mean Judgment Night. Yeah, that's the best one ever. Dennis Leary saves the day. Okay. Nice. I give a, a gigantic not recommend to this one. Uh, this one, just all the goodwill of the first one uh, had is gone, and I think... The last movie, Stuart and I touched on a little bit about the cinematographer and the director. Man, what a difference that would have made here, even mm-hmm. though the script was lousy this time. But imagine if we had a director and a cinematographer who came to play. Maybe that could have helped a little bit. That being said, there's so many things wrong with this movie, from the second-rate cast to the third-rate script to the boring direction, that nothing really can save this film. The only thing this movie had going for it was the Boba Fett stuff that the that the Predator suit had. And, you know, even that wasn't enough to sustain a movie. Honestly, I was very disappointed with this movie. And so I'm really looking forward to the next one, as I said before, because with a title like Alien vs. Predator, having never seen it, it seems to me there has some potential there. Now, of course, I realize that both of these species don't talk, so I wonder how that's going to work, but I have a little bit of faith that they actually have something going for it. Brock, I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler. Oh, really? They both go Marcel Marceau and mime. 
Really? Like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers kind of stuff? No, I'm just fucking with you. Oh, good. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, thank goodness, man. I was like, oh, I'm going to be sick that day when we're recording. Anyway, so yeah, a big old no recommend from Brock over here on Predator 2. So, Arnie Stewart, uh, thanks for joining me today. And I seriously, I'm looking forward to uh, talking Alien vs. Predator with you when we join each other next time. I'm looking forward to it because it means that I'm on the other side of having to watch Aliens vs. Predator for the fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, Stuart, you and I are going to be doing something that sucks less than Predator 2. We're going to Comic-Con. Yes. Comic-Con's always a fun time, and we are going to be drinking, because we do that before every podcast. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> it would have helped if I had drunk a lot before Predator 2. <laughs> but we will be at the Yard House at the bar at 7 o'clock for a couple hours at least. We're having a meet and greet. Come on by. Say hi if you like the show. If you don't like the show, then don't come to the Yard House. It's too good a place for you. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid of what might happen if they don't like the show and they come for us. <laughs> I might need a predator to help me. Now, Arnie, is there, a, is there a Predator's Greatest Hits CD out there that we can review songs for? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but it's all very rhythmic. I don't like reggae. I, I was thinking it's all samples. <laughs> That's right, because he samples the voice. That's right. <laughs> Milly Vanilli. They both have dreadlocks. There you go. If you like this series that we're doing, please go to our archives and check out all the episodes of our Predator series. And you can also check out our other podcasts from our other retrospective series. We have tons to choose from, all of them available in our archive section. You can also find a link on our homepage at www.nowplayingpodcast.com to our forums where you can discuss our review of Predator 2, your impressions of this movie, or any other podcast we've recorded. All of them have their own threads to discuss with fans like yourself right there on our forums. You can also discuss these movies and others on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter. And if you do like us, please go to iTunes and leave us a positive review so people can find us and we can get a bigger audience and continue to bring these podcasts to your iPod or MP3 player or computer or however you listen. So we will be back when we review Alien vs. Predator. We'll talk to you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode in the Predator Retrospective Series. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Please come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week from now through July 10th to get a new episode of this series. Come on in, you fuckers. Come on in. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can download our podcasts where we cover such movie series as Terminator, Star Trek, Back to the Future, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and more. This is getting better than a minute. Now Playing is not affiliated with 20th Century Fox. Alien and Predator are copyright and trademarked 20th Century Fox, all rights reserved, and no infringement is intended. I don't think he gives a shit. Now Playing is a production of Inganza Media Incorporated, copyright 2010, all rights reserved. I ain't got time to bleed. The Now Playing Predator Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie and Jay. I wouldn't wish that on a broke dick dog.
So this is the sequel to the Predator movie. Now, explain this to me, guys. I don't know. The, f- <laughs> the first, it's the sequel to the Predator movie. Really? Called Predator Two? Never knew. <laughs> I'm working on it. My goodness, you are in a mood. Okay, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get a transition going. And I do like the fact that there was more than one alien on that damn ship. I, I was really happy. This big ship, and they had more aliens. I said predators. to myself, oh, it, "I'm sorry, thank you." I was so glad they had extra predators on that ship. Although technically, Arnie, what I said was correct. Yes, but, you're but it's going to get yes, confusing. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Uh, 